Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Last week we had a family wedding up at um, the Hunter Valley, which was a beautiful time, apart from the eight hours it took us to drive home. <laughs> but, uh, that's what happens when you travel on a long weekend, right? And, uh, but it was a good week, watching the Socceroos win is always good. So, uh, wonderful. We're going to continue this morning uh, with our series out of Joel, and uh, we, uh, this Joel theme has been carrying through for all of spring, so the first month we were talking about um, repentance, and uh, there's been a couple of, uh, the reason we kind of went into Joel and, uh, and working through Joel is because I felt constrained in God to do a couple of things uh, on uh, on behalf and in uh, in the presence of church, and one of them uh, was a couple of weeks ago. We had a corporate repentance moment where we just repented, uh, and that was kind of inspired out of Joel because the uh, uh, the early part of Joel is about where God's calling His people back. The prophet Joel is calling His people back to tear not just their clothes but their heart to turn their hearts back to God. And, uh, you know, I just uh, felt constrained in God to actually lead us in a, a corporate repentance. And, um, and then uh, th- uh, this month uh, in October, as Deb touched on earlier, is uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, or at least this week is. And today is the last day of men- in Australia of Mental Health Awareness. And I, I have felt for a while uh, constrained to actually talk about this uh, in the context of church and to help us and get a, a clear clarity around this. And um, so I'm I, I just kind of alerting you that uh, I, it could be, we could be touching on some sensitive things here this morning. Uh, we're going to have people praying afterwards at the end of the service. If you feel that you've been triggered in any way, we want to uh, pray with you. But I totally believe in God that it will be a releasing uh, conversation that we have this morning uh, to actually release and empower us uh, to talk about the things that are actually really being talked about uh, societally and to understand what our response corporately as a church is. Um, as Deb mentioned, next week we've got a psychologist, a clinical psychologist. I'm going to be interviewing him, interviewing him in the morning service, in the evening service at our DC meeting. I'm going to give give the opportunity for questions and answers to be asked uh, um, and of an expert, a Christian clinical psychologist. And so um, it's, that's going to be very, very helpful. We actually want to uh, empower and release people moving forward. So, so the first month in Joel was about repentance. This month is about uh, restoration. Um, and then um, the final months is about renewal and revival of life. And so, you know, I, I believe that as we go through this journey together, that God is going to heal and unlock and inspire us into the future. I understand that Christy brought a great word last week about restoring our future. 
And uh, repentance is about the past. And so in a sense, we've, uh, repentance has dealt with the things of the past. We need to actually be restored from certain things. And certainly the Bible tells us that we need to be restored from the, sh- the hold that shame can hold on us. And Joel touched it r- on it really eloquently in um, communion, which was beautiful. But we actually get restored from these things so that we can live into the future in a real and a powerful way. And so I I believe that this morning is going to be really, really helpful for people, for many of us. Um, So the definition of mental health from the mentalhealth.gov website says this, mental health includes our emotional, psychological and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others and make choices. Mental health is important in every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence through to adulthood. Over the course of your life, if you experience mental health problems, your thinking, mood and behaviour could be affected. Many factors contribute to mental health problems, including biological factors such as genes or brain chemistry, life experience such as trauma or abuse, and family history of mental health problems. Mental health problems are common, but help is available. Help with mental health problems can get better. Uh, 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 people with mental health problems can get better, and many recover completely. That's the uh, statement from that website, which, you know, and I kind of think, well, I, for one, believe that the church should be at the forefront of that healing kind of progression for people uh, dealing with mental health things. When you think about it, the church is responsible and led the way for healing by uh, developing hospitals and in education by developing schools. 2,000 years ago, uh, before the church was here, we didn't have hospitals and schools. But at the advent of the church meant that hospitals and schools were part of what uh, the impact that we made on society. And we need to continue to be making that kind of an impact. And so uh, the, the health care system had its roots in a Christian faith, as did the education system. And so we need to not uh, uh, be backward in, in addressing some of the issues that, that are very real and relevant. I think that uh, there's an emerging social conscience in us Pentecostals, if you like, around the response to mental health because it is such a, such a, a massive uh, thing in society. Um, and I want us as a church to be able to help facilitate and triage a response appropriately to mental health challenges that many of us are walking through. I want to, from the outset, state that I am no expert, uh, and that, um, but I do want to be able to uh, facilitate the healing process, just like I'm not a doctor, but I want to facilitate the healing process for people. Um, it's it's uh, part of my responsibility pastorally, I believe, that uh, the, to talk about these things and to actually manage holistically the challenge that comes with this. I believe it's important to remove the stigma around this, and we're going to uh, hopefully address that this morning, because it's not a sin to be sick. Uh, and it's, uh, the fact is that we are all broken. And uh, in God's garden of grace, every broken tree still bears fruit. And so if we have a, a more holistic approach to what we're talking about, I think it can help and release us. Um, the thing about it is your illness is not your identity and your chemistry is not your character. 
And so when we understand these things and put them in perspective, I think it can help us. Um, in our family line, uh, Deb's grandmother at the age of seven found her mother had suicided. And then Deb's grandmother, over the course of time, uh, took uh, number, probably three or four that we know of attempts to take her own life before she actually had a real encounter with God and uh, realized that she was here for a purpose. And so one of the attempts to take her own life was in response to a stroke that she had suffered. Uh, and so she could no longer write with her right hand. But uh, when she encountered God, she actually realized that she could still write. She learned to write with her left hand and then started writing notes of encouragement to people all over the world. What she used to do was go to the obituary section of the Sydney Morning Herald and write letters of encouragement to people who had lost loved ones. And so it was just a redeeming, restoring response to a situation. In my family line, I, had, I discovered a couple of years ago that I had a great uncle that I didn't even know about because he was a secret in our family because he had taken his own life and nobody wanted to talk about it. And so in a, as a church family, we've navigated some of these uh, sensitive issues and they're close to heart for many of us. And, uh, and so I think that we need to be able to talk about these things uh, maturely, wisely, sensitively uh, and, f and uh, in a godly way. Um, so <clears throat> I want to begin by just sharing some stats so that in case... You know, maybe we're feeling that we're, we're not, uh, it's not that big a deal. These are Australian stats that I uh, accessed just recently. Almost half the total population experience a mental health disorder at some point of their lifetime. One in five, or 20% of the Australian population aged 16 to 85 experienced mental disorders in the previous 12 months. That's the equivalent of 3.2 million Australians. One in 16 had affective mood disorders, one in seven had anxiety orders, and one in 20 had substance use disorders. Depression and anxiety are the most prevalent mental disorders experienced by Australians. Depression alone is predicted to be one of the world's largest health problems by 2020. I've got the, re the, the references for all of these stats. Around one million Australian adults and 100,000 young people live with depression each year. On average, one in five people will experience depression in their lifetime, and one in four females, and one in six males. Among young Australians aged 12 to 25 years, depression is the most common mental health problem. Around one in 10 young Australians will experience an anxiety disorder in any given 12-month period. At least one-third of young people have had an episode of mental illness by the age of 25. Mental disorders and suicide account for 14.2% of Australia's total health burden. Estimates suggest that up to 75% of people presenting with alcohol and drug problems also have additional mental health problems. And reports indicate that up to 85% of homeless people have a mental illness. Mental illness is widespread in our community. And we need to have a response as a church, as the Christian church. Um, and, and our response needs to be holistic. And so let's uh, turn to the scripture. I want to share out of this portion of scripture uh, as we move forward with this. And in Joel 2, 25 to 27. So I will restore to you the years 
that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. I will restore to you the years. That suggests to me that this is a seasonal thing. There are things, there are locusts in our life, locusts being a metaphor for anything that, dis, that kind of chews up or destroys uh, or uh, debilitates your life. It's a seasonal thing when we walk with God. It's not, an, it's not a permanent thing. And so God says he will restore to us the years that have uh, been taken. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. So there was four years of famine that the uh, children of Israel experienced as a result of these locusts. They had nothing to eat for uh, this famine for four years. And yet God says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. I find that inspiring, that, uh, that there comes a time when we're no longer going to be tormented by these things that affect us mentally or, or whatever, but that God, as we cling to him and hold on to him, and it goes on to say, and praise the name of the Lord our God who has dealt wondrously with us. There will be wondrous moments of freedom and healing and, mirac- and the miracles that come as we walk with, with God, as he deals wondrously with us in only the way that God can. And it says, My people shall never be put to shame. And most translations have the word again in there. And my people shall never be put to shame again. And never, our people will never be put to shame again. It's removing the stigma of shame from our lives so that despite whatever it is that we're dealing with, we know that God is for us, that, it, uh, that, that there will be a season of restoration that comes our way. And so, uh, because then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am in the midst of God's people. I am in the midst of my children. I am in your presence. And so God's presence is with us in all of this. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame again. He restates the fact that his people will never be put to shame again. So if we have dealt appropriately by repentance with what God is uh, speaking to our hearts about, we will never be put to shame again. It means that when we, when we manage our illnesses and the things that are uh, the afflictions that we are dealing with, which are the consequences of a fallen world, they're not the consequences of, of your sin or your bad choices. They're just uh, the consequence of living in a fallen world. God's saying, my people should never be put to shame again. And I find that an encouragement. I want to uh, show uh, a video that goes for about nine minutes. Um, and it's a conversation between Rick Warren and Kay Warren, his wife. Rick and Kay Warren are the pastors of Saddleback Church, a mega church in the States. And uh, they had a 27-year-old son who had battled all his life with mental illness. And at the age of 27, he took his own life. And uh, it was tragic for them. It was, that was back in 2013. And, uh, but then, since then, they have uh, been, been at the forefront of mobilizing the church in response to managing mental health issues and addressing it from a holistic perspective. So I would like for you just to turn to the screens and let's watch this conversation between uh, Rick and Kay Warren. Thanks, Wayne.
You may have just been diagnosed with a mental illness or you may have a family member who's just been diagnosed and you have, your mind is full of thoughts and you might even be a little frightened because that's an overwhelming diagnosis. But we want to talk to you in this about how to manage a mental illness from a holistic perspective. And probably the very first thing from this diagnosis is your psychiatrist may have said to you that adding medication may be the very first thing that you need to do. And taking medication for a mental illness I mean, that, that can be very frightening. You don't know how you're gonna feel, you don't know how it's gonna make you act, you don't know is it gonna change you. It can really be a frightening thing. Yeah, and you know, as a pastor who studied the Bible for over 40 years, I can tell you this, it's not a sin to be sick, and it's not a sin to take medication. In fact, a lot of people think that, you know, they're ashamed of taking medicine. Well, why? You know, if my heart doesn't work and I take heart medicine, there's no shame in that. If my liver doesn't work and I, I take liver medicine, there's no shame in that. If my brain isn't working right and I take medicine for my brain, there's no shame in that. There's no stigma to that. It's just part of being uh, a human being and living in a broken world. And that's what we want to talk about is, is how to manage mental illness in a holistic way. Because sometimes people think if they go and they get a diagnosis and somebody says, okay, here's, here's the illness that you have and here's the medication that you, that you have and we also want you to be involved in therapy. Sometimes we can think that that's all that's necessary. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes taking medication and being in weekly therapy, dealing with your mind and dealing with your thoughts is incredibly, and your emotions, and your emotions is incredibly helpful. But that's not all. You're gonna to need to work in some other areas. There's some other things that are gonna add benefit to you managing a mental illness. Yeah, you might even take it in layers. You might start at the most basic level, which is biological, and that is what's wrong in my body that needs some medicine and then what's wrong in my thinking that maybe needs some straightening out of the way that I think and of course uh, a good counselor can help you on that the Bible says in the multitude of counselors there's safety in other words it's wise to get advice from other people people see things that we don't see and they can also help us interpret experiences in our life like trauma uh, abuse uh, difficulties that uh, we've been unable to even think about ourselves. And you mentioned physically um, that things can go wrong inside our bodies that can lead to mental illness, but also there are things that you can do to control what happens in your body, meaning you and I are totally in control of how much sleep we get. You and I right. are totally in control of, of how we eat. So there are things you can adjust your diet. Um, maybe there's some food you need to cut out. Maybe there's some food. If you're just eating hobos and coke every day for breakfast, there's a good chance that's probably not going to help your mental health or your physical health. So really take a look seriously at what you're eating, how much sleep you're getting, how much rest, how much physical activity, because when you add that physical component, it will have an effect on your mental health. What we're saying is that no, uh, no mental health issue is simple. They're all complex. And so there's a biological component that may require medicine. There is a physiological component that could involve rest, exercise, and taking care of your body. Uh, there is a, a, a thought component which could involve helping interpret the experiences of life that make uh, your, your illness either worse or better. And then of course there are relationships. Uh, relationships have a profound effect on our lives. Good relationships help us cope better with the natural problems we have, bad relationships make it worse. Yeah, and, and we found, um, because our son lived with mental illness for a very, very long time, and in our family and in our relationships, we found 
that sometimes the relationship became strained, yeah. mm. that, that mental illness caused there to be some chaos, yeah. caused there to be some relationships yeah. that just didn't work well. And as you maybe have just been diagnosed or you're a family member of somebody has, one of the aspects in learning to manage mental illness in a holistic way is to approach relationships. There may be some relationship repair that needs to happen that will help you or help your family member as you guys cope with this diagnosis, this, this sometimes very frightening diagnosis. So we're talking about what you can do. Well, let, me say, let me say about that too. If you are uh, a loved one of someone who's struggling with mental illness and they have you know isolated you or they have uh, had conflict with you or whatever kind of strain in the relationship don't take it personal yeah that that reminds me because one of the best pieces of advice that we ever yeah. got in helping our son and in our family relationships was to to not take it personally and to to listen to the music not just the words because sometimes people who have a mental illness say terrible things mm. i mean let's be honest sometimes People, especially if they're in a particular episode or they're in a, a moment in which they're struggling, they're, they're in deep pain and they will say things or you will say things that yeah. later you go, why did I say that? I don't mean that. This, yeah. These are people I love. So for us as family members, we learned not to take it personally, to listen to what is what his heart was, not necessarily what his words were. That was a huge piece of advice for us. Yeah. But relationships in, in managing mental illness will have to be addressed and, and helped. And of course, your relationship to God is a very important factor. Uh, the spiritual component in mental illness, God has power that nobody else has. And the Bible tells us that Jesus has healing power in his words and in his life. You know, uh, many years ago, probably 30 years ago, I went through an entire year of depression. And when I was going through that depression, one of the many things I did, you know, I took some medication, I, I went to see a therapist, but I also read through the book of Psalms. And as I read through the book of Psalms, I underlined every verse that had to do with depression or was a word of encouragement to me. I still have that Bible 30 years later. And when I know someone who is discouraged, somebody going through a tough time, I'll often open that Bible and flip to those exact verses that helped me through those uh, painful days. Yeah, I would say if you are the person who has just been diagnosed with a mental illness or your family member, we cannot overemphasize how you've got to build yourself up spiritually. Mm -hmm. There is a spiritual mm -hmm. aspect and a spiritual component. And, and to be able to have a group, maybe just maybe there's just two or three verses. You don't have to have you know the whole Bible, but you've got two or three verses that you can hang on to in those moments when you're feeling very low or the pain is so deep. I don't know, there's, there's a place in the Psalms where the psalmist says, darkness is my only companion. Mm -hmm. So the, the people in the Bible who wrote the Bible really understand depression, understand pain, Jesus understands it. So not only do you need to have that spiritual strength for yourself, but line up some people who will pray for you. Yeah. I mean, some people who will promise, who will commit to you that they will pray because there is this, this spiritual aspect that, that you've got to manage as we holistically mm -hmm. manage mental illness. Part of uh, a, a spiritual component in managing mental illness is to hold on to the promises of God. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And I was talking to someone the other day who was struggling with, struggled with schizophrenia. And he said the promise, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, got him through his darkest days. Those promises are there that you can hold on to when you can't believe everything you think. And you can't believe everything you see. But you can believe everything God says to you. And the more you understand how much God loves you unconditionally, that he sees, he cares, he knows, he grieves, and he can help, 
These are the spiritual components that you need to hold on to. Yeah, so just, just remember that you are not just your mind, you're not even just your emotions, you are a whole being. You are a body, a soul, and a spirit. And to manage mental illness, don't be overwhelmed by it. Just to go after this approach, to manage it with medication, yeah. through therapy, yeah. through your body, how you take care of your body, the relationships that may need to be strengthened, and absolutely, at the very bottom line, is strengthening your relationship with God, because He is the best person of all to help you manage. So I thought that 10-minute segment there really helped put in perspective uh, a whole bunch of things and uh, I don't want to add to what uh, they've said there other than just to reiterate those uh, five kind of components of a holistic approach it's biological it's physiological it's your thought life it's relationships and it's spiritual all of those major components towards uh, a holistic approach to dealing with mental health so in the scripture that we're talking about, uh, that God will restore to us the years that have been stolen. How, how does God restore? How does God restore? God can restore the lost years by deepening your communion with Christ. Joel 2.27, as we read before, says, You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God. Um, these people who have endured so much enjoy a communion with the Lord that is far greater than anything they had ever known before in their religious lives. Christ can restore lost years by deepening your fellowship with him. Why not ask him this? Tell him, Lord, I have spent too many years without you, too many years at a distance from you. Fill my heart with love and gratitude for Christ. Let the loss of these years make my love for Christ greater than it would have ever been. Restore to me the years the locust has eaten. Focus on that relationship with Christ. God can restore the lost years by multiplying your fruitfulness. The harvest of these people in Israel at that time had been wiped out for four years, but God restored the years that the locusts had eaten by giving bumper harvests. So why not ask him? Why not ask God? Lord, the locusts have eaten too many years of my life. Have you, called, you have called us to be your disciples to bear fruit that will last. Too many fruitless years have passed. Now, Lord, we ask of you, give us some years now in which... More lasting fruit will be born than in all of our years of small harvests. Trust God to multiply your fruitfulness. God can restore your lost years by bringing long-term gain from short-term loss. The effect of this great trials in your life will, will be uh, uh, explained in 1 Peter 1.7. The tested genuineness of your faith may result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your faith is tested through a situation such as mental illness. But the praise, the glory and the honor go to Christ because his power guarded you and kept you through the darkest years and the hardest years of your life. Thinking about the years that the locust has eaten, years that have been taken. I think of something Isaiah said about the Lord Jesus Christ in, 50, in Isaiah 53 verse 8. He says, he was cut off out of the land of the living. Jesus knew what that felt like. Here is the Lord Jesus in the prime of his life. He was three years into a ministry. He was 33 years old. Uh, you would think a man launching a new enterprise at that age had everything in front of him. But Isaiah says he was cut off 
And sometimes it can feel like our illnesses can cut us off. He was cut off because he came under the judgment of God, not for his own sin, but because he, because he had none, but for our sin. Our sin, our grief, our sorrows were laid on him. Our judgment fell on him. Our locusts swarmed all over him. The life of God's tender shoot was cut off. And then on the third day, the Son of God rose in the power of eternal life. He offers himself to you and he says what no one else can ever say, I will restore the years that the locusts have stolen. And so sometimes we don't know how that's going to, to, plan, to pan out, but he is the only one who can do it. He has a power that nobody else does. Shame isn't the problem. It's what we do with shame. We can be angry and sin not. We can also be ashamed and despair not. In fact, we can finally find life. Every human wants an enduring love and worth. Therefore, we need something stronger than just a self-diagnosis or hypnosis. We need grace. Grace says God loves us just because he loves us. His love doesn't depend on what we do or what we claim or anything like that. And that's why Paul can write, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus. Jesus is the restorer. We read in the scripture that he restores blind eyes, he restores withered hands, he restores demon-possessed people, he restores the lost, and he restores the kingdom of heaven to earth. Jesus is the restorer. He restores blind eyes. Maybe you just can't quite see the way that you should be able to see. Jesus can restore your vision of the future. He can restore your perspective of him and relationships and loved ones. He can help you see in a way that you've never seen before. He can restore your sight so that you can see with the eyes of faith and understanding and wisdom what he is unfolding in your life. He is a restorer. He is the restorer of withered hands. The story in the Bible where the withered hand was reached out and all Jesus did was touch that hand and it says he restored it. There is withered experiences that have caused us to almost be dead on the vine and we find ourselves reaching out to God and he restores what the enemy has withered in our life. When we reach out to him, Jesus is the restorer. He's the restorer of demon-possessed. People break, get uh, set free from the power of God and he, he restores their normalcy and their sanity to them. He sets people free. He heals the brokenhearted and sets people free. Jesus restores the lost. Sometimes we, we feel where we, that we don't know where we are and we don't know how we fit. And yet Jesus restores the lost. He gives us a place to belong. He sets the lonely in families. He sets us in the body with a contribution to make. Each and every one of us has a contribution to make to the body of Christ. He, sets, he, he restores the lost. If we feel lost and alone and, and not connected, then he restores us to a place of connection and belonging. And he restores the kingdom. Every prayer, every song that we sing, every hand that is raised in worship is part of restoring the kingdom. Every soul that is won into heaven is part of restoring the kingdom. Every life that is changed for good is part of restoring the kingdom of heaven. Every transformed life that sits in, the, in church, every worship experience that we enjoy is part of God restoring the kingdom of heaven. When we, lift, when we raise a hallelujah, 
hallelujah, it's part of restoring the kingdom of heaven. When we, when we know that we are on the side of uh, the winning side, the side of victory, it's part of restoring the kingdom of heaven. And so there is an opportunity for us to allow God to restore those kind of perspectives for us. And I just want to remind you today that because of Jesus, we are never put to shame. We are never put to shame. He has restored us and we are never put to shame. Let's bow our heads. In fact, can I invite you to stand with me this morning? Father, I pray for those here, those of us here that are uh, working through some of the challenges that, it, uh, that a mental illness can present to us. I pray, Lord, that we would, in our own hearts and minds, decide to approach a response holistically. Lord, that we would do what we need to do biologically, physiologically, in our thought life. Lord, um, in our spiritual walk. Lord, that we would do what we need to do to allow you to restore the lost years. Father, I pray for healing for each and every one of us in this place. Lord, the brokenness that has come through maybe some of the things that we've done or maybe some of the things that have just happened around us or to us, God, I pray healing. I pray the brokenhearted would be healed in this place today. I pray that every time we gather as a body of believers, there would be a healing of broken hearts. Lord, that there would, there would be a, a restoring of lost people to you, God. I pray, Father, for those of us that need a restoration back to you, God. Maybe we lost sight of how you are actually bigger than any situation or circumstance that we face. We've lost sight of that. I pray, God, we would put you in the right place, that you would, that you would uh, restore our sight today, God, to see you where you need to be in our lives. Father, I pray, Lord, we ask forgiveness where there's been any stigma or anything attached to anything like that, God. I pray that our church would be a church that is safe and addresses things holistically, God. I pray that we would tackle physiological problems and, and uh, help people get the help they need in that. But Lord, that we would provide appropriate and supportive relational and pastoral care and, and steer people in the right direction spiritually to grow in the things of God. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, that this place would be a place where people find release and healing and perspective, salvation, deliverance from the, the torment of the enemy. We thank you, God, for the promise of your word. We thank you for those 7,000 promises, God. We pray, Lord, that we can just even latch on to one that means something to us and will shape us. We thank you, God, that you are bigger than any obstacle or affliction that has come our way, God. We thank you that you are bigger than all of that. And I just thank you, God, for the courage of people walking through life. We thank you, God, as we hang on to you. We know that there is nothing else as we hang on to you, God. And I thank you, Father, in this place today, that we would be a people that walk forward in your healing, that we would be embracive of those around us. Lord, that we would put our arms of care and love of support, God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. That, um, that the holistic, godly response 
in our church would help set people free, would help see people enjoy and move into healing. God, we thank you for the truth that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. We thank you through Christ. Through Christ, you can restore the years that have been stolen from us. We thank you that through Christ, that shame will no longer be attached to us, God. And we thank you that through Christ, we have the ultimate victory and everything is restored in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering in this place this morning. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.